Coming up on the talk show, I recap week four of the NFL season and get you set for Yankees Red Sox at Fenway Park, the 2021 AL wildcard game. All that and more is coming up right after this. Welcome back to the talk show episode 48. It's been a long time. I said I was going to record while I was gone. I was going to try to. I did try to. It didn't work out. You know, I'm not in a position yet where I can just do this full time, where this is my living, where I could just put the stuff down and record every day. Uh, I'd love to get to that point, um, but I'm not quite there yet. Obviously, with the holidays and family and being away, even though I brought my stuff with me, um, I would have loved to record, but it's good to be back. It's been a long time. There's a lot, a lot happened while I was gone. Um, especially football. So many, obviously every week there are so many implications, but I'm really happy that I didn't have the opportunity to record in a way because of two reasons. You know, I talked about the instant reaction to everything. I didn't have a chance to have my instant hot take on Zach Wilson's terrible performances or specifically the Yankees. Cause with all the football going on, there's one story and that's baseball and that's the New York Yankees. So we'll start with that. The Yankees roller coaster while I was gone. Um, but the regular season is over. It's finally over. It is what it is. I'm so happy that I don't have to watch that regular season, that 2021 Yankees anymore. It's a new season. It starts tomorrow and it starts in Fenway Park with a wild card game for the New York Yankees, which is the way it was always going to be. But how did we get there? Well, about a week ago, going into the weekend, so really four days ago, the Yankees had just won two of three in dramatic fashion in Toronto. Um, they had come back in the last two games of that series. One, they lose on a Bobachet late homer, but the other one, Rizzo ties it, and then Judge hits the homer, um, and then Glaber puts the icing on the cake. What an awesome series for the Yankees. Meanwhile, the Orioles take care of business here in Baltimore against the Red Sox. Phil Nevin, who we'll get to later in the podcast, his son Tyler, comes through for the Orioles with a, a walk and a run and then a huge two-out, two-run single. So great job by him helping his pops out, helping the Yankees out. And it's like, all right, great. This is perfect. All the Yankees need to do is either have Boston lose one or they need to just take two or three from Tampa. But Tampa has been a thorn in their side all year. Tampa continues to do what they do. Tampa, you know, they keep it close on Sunday, but they absolutely blow them out, embarrass them on Saturday. And then it comes down to Sunday. It all comes down to Sunday. And that's the way it was always going to be. I wanted it to be a three-way tie. I wanted the Red Sox to lose and everyone else to win so that the teams would have to play a uh, 163 and 164 games on Monday and Tuesday just to see who gets to go to New York and play the Yankees on Wednesday. The wildcard game would have gotten pushed off by then. It would have been New York, so I probably would have made it to the wildcard game on a Wednesday in New York as opposed to a Tuesday in Boston. But I'm still holding out hope. I'm not saying I won't make it. Never say never. <laughs> um, it's late Monday night, by the way, now. Uh, not too late. Later than I wanted to because Monday night football is uh, going to be starting soon. And I wanted to watch that. But like I said, we'll get to all the football later. And I think that'll actually be a good game. But the Yankees obviously didn't get it done. And so it comes down to Sunday. And it comes down to... Jamison Tyone pitching with like cartilage rattling around in his ankle. He couldn't, he said like, you know, he felt stuff moving in there, but that was a gutsy, gutsy performance from Jamison Tyone. Um, I, I, you don't often say that from a guy who pitched 44 pitches and three and a third innings, but Boone said after the game, they were relying on him for maybe one inning. The fact that they got 10 outs from him is incredible. Um, that was a crazy performance by him. Gio Urshela makes an incredible play diving into the crowd. Angel Hernandez thought it was so much fun. He runs right after him and dives into the dugout also. Uh, even though he didn't have to, he could have just taken the stairs. But 
literally a Jeter-esque play from Gio Urshela. Glaber Torres makes an incredible play in the hole. Um, everyone who came in, Boone pushes all the right buttons, whether it's Clay Holmes or Wandy or even Chad Green, who I was nervous the entire time, and obviously Loizaga, and then Chapman comes in, you know, and they all do their job, but I didn't enjoy any of that. It would have been one of those really fun, fun Yankee games, but you couldn't enjoy it because the offense just didn't show up, and it doesn't matter who's pitching for the Rays. They have an ERA over six. It doesn't matter. Colin McHugh, Michael Waka, these guys, they just always, always crush the Yankees no matter what, and the Yankees couldn't get a freaking hit. And then it comes to the bottom of the ninth. And you know if that game went into extra innings. You just know if it went into extra innings that the Yankees would not win that game. They'd have the runner on second base. That's what it would come down to. And it wasn't do or die for the Yankees because there would have been a 163 for the Yankees. You know, it wasn't lose and your season's over, but it was win and you're in. And I did not enjoy it at all. Um, and they come to the ninth inning. Rugnet Odor gets the leadoff single. And then Tyler Wade comes in, who was caught stealing twice. In the Boston series, people don't remember because Stanton was hitting bombs all over the place, but was caught stealing twice when he was brought in to pinch run in Boston. Um, he doesn't decide he doesn't steal a base. Instead, Glaber Torres hits a deep fly ball to left center field and um, or right center field, actually. And Tyler Wade tags up from first to second, makes it in time. So now he's in scoring position. Then Anthony Rizzo comes up, hits a ball as hard as any human could possibly hit a ball. And Phil Nevin puts on the stop sign on Tyler Wade, one of the rare times he's ever put on the stop sign this season. The Yankees season has been such a roller coaster. It's been so up and down. I'm saying it's, you know, I've been saying I'm glad it's over. Phil Nevin's season has been just as much of a roller coaster. It's been its own separate ride at the Yankee Circus. It's been like its own roller coaster ride at what has been the Yankee Circus. Him starting guys and stopping guys and all the different things that he's done with this uh, Yankee team. And holding guys at third and guys getting thrown out at home and guys not going has just been crazy. So Rizzo heads up base running, gets to second on the throw to the plate. Wade stays at third. And then there's a decision to make. Do you pitch to Aaron Judge? And I was shocked that they pitched to Aaron Judge. Um, so much so the Yes Network was shocked. They actually put up all in the bug already that Judge is at first. You want to set up the double play to end the inning, right? There's one out. Runners on second and third. You set up the double play. You end the inning. But um, actually, Evan Roberts explained the logic today. He said, if you get Judge, then you could just intentionally walk Stanton and face Gallo, who struggled. So basically, they decided we're going to pitch to either Judge or Stanton, and they chose to pitch to Judge and get him out and try and get him out. And they almost did. Listen, it's a ground ball up the middle. Tyler Wade, yeah, that's the only guy who scores on that. Uh, the pitcher slows it down by hitting it with his glove. The Yankees walk it off. They go to the playoffs. Uh, meanwhile, Boston, who was down 5-1 against the Nationals, they come all the way back. So... It ends up being the way it was always going to be a one game wild card situation in Fenway Park, Garrett Cole against Nathan Ivaldi. And that's what, listen, this is what we thought it was going to be all year with the ups and the downs. And if you go back a week in time, the Yankees had one of the great, the great series of my lifetime at Fenway Park. I don't remember the Yankees having th a three game series at Fenway Park like that, where just everything went right for them. The Stanton bombs, I mean, that was insane. Judge, every clutch hit. The, the, the Sunday night game was one of the craziest games ever with first the Yankees dropping the balls. They forget how to play defense. And then the Red Sox do the same thing. And then the terrible call behind the plate on the drop third strike. That's obviously not a drop third strike. It's on the transfer. And then Judge comes through on the next pitch. So much happening in that game. The Stanton Grand Slam on the Saturday game. 
and everything just went well for the Yankees in that series. And it started with scoring three runs in the first inning um, against Nathan Nivaldi. So now the Yankees who have hit Nathan Nivaldi, Garrett Cole finally looked halfway decent, at least in Boston. And you're feeling pretty confident coming out of that series. You're like, oh, wow, the Yankees are going to have a wild card game. It's going to be at home. Boston might fall. Boston might be out of this. Boston, this is a collapse by Boston. Look, they just lost. They got swept at home by the Yankees. And then you're thinking, oh, my God, now they lost two or three to the Orioles. It's over. But no, this is the way it was always going to be with this Yankee team. Up First, they're up, then they're down, then they're up, then they're down. You never know what they are. And they end the season kind of down, if you think about it. But now, like I said, new season, wipe the slate clean. You go to Boston, you go to Fenway for a one-game wild card game. And, you know, you got to root. Let's go. Let's go, Yankees. That's what it is. Before I get to anything else, I, I need to do this um, because... You know, this is something that's needed to happen for a long time, and I, I didn't do it yet. And I'm going to do it before the wild card game because I don't know what I'm going to be saying after this game. I might be extremely upset after this game. So before the wild card game, and in a weird way, I'm happy the wild card game is in Fenway Park because of one player in particular, and that's Giancarlo Stanton. When he walks up and he sees that green monster, for some reason, he turns into a different player, and we just saw it happen. But Giancarlo Stanton, every single Yankee fan, and I know every Yankee fan did this last week, but, you know, I held off a week and I still feel that we need to do it, even though he hasn't been great in a few days. Everyone owes Giancarlo Stanton an apology. What he did in that Boston series, what he did even against Toronto in that first game, I mean, he carried this team. He single-handedly won them that series in Boston. Three home runs, 10 RBIs. Now, granted, A-Rod did that in one game once, but it was in the middle of August against Cleveland or whatever, or the Angels, which, by the way, now that you think about that, those games matter. Remember the Yankees lost in the middle of August to the Angels? Yeah, those games matter. Every game matters, it turns out. Turns out all 162 matter in a season like this. But in the games that it mattered most in Boston, on the road, Saturday, Sunday night, in games that the Yankees were losing, the games that the Yankees needed him most in the clutchest of spots, Giancarlo Stanton came through for the Yankees with some crazy home runs. And if you've been watching Giancarlo Stanton's career in New York, I talked about him. I gave him more crap than anyone. And obviously, I wanted him to play the outfield. And I said, oh, he might as well get hurt anyway. And the injuries are a big part of it. But if you've watched his career in New York, you should know how incredible Giancarlo Stanton has been as a Yankee and, and just let's bring this back. He had the walk off home run early against Seattle. Like I think that was in 2018, the first year he was on the team, but this year alone, he carried the team in April when the team was terrible. He was single hand. They'd be five games worse than they are right now because the team was so bad and he was winning games for them at the end of April. Think about the field of dreams games. Yeah. He's the one who hits the two run home run that brings them back in that game. And in the ALDS last year, are we forgetting about that? That they should have gotten swept by Tampa if it weren't for him hitting five home runs in four games? Giancarlo Stanton has been clutch, and he's been just the best Yankee when he's hot. And the fact that he's not hot 24-7, and sometimes he looks stupid, and sometimes it's painful to watch him, I get that. Trust me, I've ranted about it all year. But if he's playing the outfield, and he's hustling, and he's playing hard, and he's doing that at the plate, you can live with him striking out. You can live with him not busting it down the line on a ground ball to third that is a 50-50 whether he'll get out or not because he's going to hit a, a three-run bomb 
when they need it most over the green monster. And watch out, Fenway Park. And just to, by the way, Yankee fans, if you want to know where their heads are at, there was a poll up on Twitter. And I, I wish I had the exact poll, but it was like, which overpaid Yankee, which huge Yankee contract do you regret? Do you reg- regret or is the player not living up to more right now? And the options were Giancarlo Stanton and Garrett Cole. And 80% of people said Garrett Cole is not living it up to his contract as much as Giancarlo is living up to his. Can you imagine showing that to the, a Yankee fan two months ago? Garrett Cole, and that's the next point, has not been good enough. And his numbers in September are bad. I think he has like a five-something ERA. His numbers overall, since the spider tag thing, have not been good. Garrett Cole needs to come out in Fenway Park and absolutely shut them down. Something he's not done all year. I know he was better their last time in Fenway Park. But he wasn't good again in Toronto. That was the one game you thought, hey, we could win this game. And they still came back in this game and could have won it. But Garrett Cole has not been good enough really in the entire second half outside of the Angels game. And he needs to go into Boston and do what he's paid to do. I don't care if you have to use sticky stuff to do it. Go do what we paid you to do. We're paying you $30 million a year, $324 million contract for games like this, for games that when you have a wild card game, a game seven, a winner takes all, loser goes home, one game situation, you put that guy on the mound, and no matter where it is, you go into that game saying, we got this. It's something we never had. You remember the game back when they had Masahiro Tanaka pitching against Dallas Keuchel in that one-game play- playoff. It was like, yeah. You remember 2017, 2018, 2019, who was pitching games ones and twos of these series? Is? And you were never fully confident. You never had that guy that you just go, yep, this is the guy. This is the guy who goes, pitches game fives, game sevens, game ones. Any big game, he is going to do it for us. And Garrett Cole is paid to be that guy. He's paid a lot to be that guy. And he needs to be that guy on Tuesday night at Fenway Park. Here's the way I see it going, if I'm just doing a preview of the game. I see him pitching like six innings and two runs, which is like good enough. I'd sign up for it with how bad he's been against the Red Sox this year. And it's not asking a lot. Like, you should expect seven to eight innings of one run ball or less from the guy the way you're paying him, by the way. But to get six innings and two runs, I take it. And then the Yankees can't score and they have opportunities. I see it going a lot like the 2015 game against the Astros that, you know, they they cut it. Maybe they cut it to 3-2 or something. And then Boone makes a mistake and the bullpen gives up another run and then it's 4-2. And then Chris Sale comes in and closes the door and the Red Sox win. That's my prediction for the game. That's the way I can see it going. I really need, and this is, I think, the way the Yankees win, the recipe for them to win is to for Garrett Cole to show up and do what he did in Houston in that game. Really just shut the door down. <laughs> show up and show why he's paid $324 million and show why he is one of the best pitchers in the league and he has been one of the best pitchers in the league. By the way, if he wins Cy Young this year, which it's close between him and Robbie Ray, I mean, that would be the worst Cy Young Award performance ever. He does not deserve Cy Young. All the Yankee fans who want him to win it, I don't want him to win it. I don't want you to come back and rest on your laurels and say, yeah, it was a pretty good season. It was not. Garrett Cole did not live up to expectations this year. And I think that poll that I mentioned shows you that most Yankee fans would agree in the moment 
that he has not lived up to expectations this year. Listen, Cora is a better manager than Boone in these one game situations. Who do I trust more? I think it's Cora. Cora was kind of like laughing during some of those big moments in the Yankee game, Yankees Red Sox series in Fenway. Almost like, yeah, let you guys get confident here now so that I can crush your souls when you come back here for the wild card game. Almost like he knew. And there's nothing I want to do more than beat this Red Sox team. I mean, Boone's going to put way too much trust in Chapman and Green. There are so many ways that this game could go bad for the Yankees. Here's who I trust, If you, by the way. Yankees bullpen. And I think the Yankee bullpen is deep. I think Green is still a good pitcher. I still think Chapman is. A, a, he's been good. And so I think the Yankee bullpen has actually become a strength, which is crazy to say, but it has become a strength towards the end of the season. But here are the guys I trust the most. Luis Severino, amazingly, coming off the injury. Loizaga, who's been just lights out whenever he's been out there, and he was incredible again on Sunday. Clay Holmes, who that trade obviously worked out. And Wandy Peralta, who that trade has worked out. I mean, those four guys have been exactly what you wanted, exactly what you would expect. And those guys are the guys who I trust the most. And hopefully it doesn't get to having to trust those four guys. Like I said, I want it to be all about Cole and maybe you get him, bridge him to either Chapman or Loisga or whoever. But this this game is about Cole tomorrow, and that's it. It's about Garrett Cole. And you need the guys like who Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton have come through for them all year. Those are the guys who need to come through. They make the trade for Rizzo. They make the trade for Gallo. Glaber moves back to second, starts looking a little better. You know, there's obviously the veteran aspect with Brett Gardner. But... At the end of the day, there's two guys that you expect to come through for them on offense. That's Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stan. Obviously, DJ LeMay was hurt. So those guys got to be the man. Someone's got to pull through, and hopefully they do, and hopefully it's enough for Garrett Cole to make it stand up. If the Yankees score three runs in this game, that should be all they need for Garrett Cole to just win this game for them. And if it's not enough, then that's on Garrett Cole. Three runs is not a ton. I get that, but... If that's not enough for the guy who's getting paid $324 million, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's on him. And as far as pressure, all the pressure is on the Yankees. There's no pressure on the Red Sox. It, the Yankees need to win. There's only bad scenarios. If the Yankees win, then it's like, okay, we were supposed to win. We're supposed to be here. We need to move on to Tampa. Now we got to worry about Tampa, a team that we stink against. And I'll talk about that if they get to that point. I'm not even going to talk about that yet. But the Red Sox have nothing to lose. They're playing with house money. They had no expectations coming into the season. They're expected to win max 80 games. They didn't make any trades at the deadline to improve the team, and they've collapsed multiple times. We thought early in September or the end of August when the Yankees won 13 in a row, that's when we thought the Red Sox were collapsing the first time. We thought the Red Sox were collapsing as recently as this past week when they had lost, uh, uh, I guess it was five of six games, including getting swept at home to the Yankees and losing two of three to Baltimore. That was another collapse. It was like, oh, my God, they might not make the playoffs. Toronto, Seattle, who's going to make it? But no, the Red Sox are here. The Red Sox keep coming back. And all the pressure's on the Yankees. They underachieved going to, into the deadline, which is why they had to overspend at the deadline. They finally get it together for the 13-game winning streak. And it's like, oh my God, this team is actually back. Only for it to crash and burn. In September, they were just horrendous. Then they go 5-1 and one on the road trip. It's like, we're back. Obviously, this game's going to be played at Yankee Stadium. We're going to have it at home. Wild card game. Still, it's not great, but it's at home. And then they blew it all up again in the series against Tampa Bay. So who's the pressure on? It's all on the Yankees. They need to win this game. And listen, I I'm down on the Yankees right now, it sounds like. When they've been fun, 
there's been no one more fun. If they win this game and go on a run, I'll forgive them and I'll be so happy. But if they lose, I'll be so upset that I just invested this emotional roller coaster ride of a season to a stupid year where they just lost in the wild card game to the Boston Red Sox and Fenway. I mean, I would be so, so disappointed. I'm trying to get fired up for the game. And one of the things that's helped me, though, is uh, a guy named Dan Rourke, who's on Twitter. He's a good kid. He works for John Boy Media, but he has his own Yankees Avenue is uh, his YouTube page. And he posted a video on Instagram at Yankees Avenue that I posted on my Instagram story a couple of times, even though Instagram has been down. Um, I posted it a couple of times. Um, it's, you know, the theme music from Moneyball to Giancarlo's Grand Slam in Fenway Park on Saturday last week. And that that gets me going anytime. So that's helping me get fired up for this wild card game. And I just hope the Yankees come out and do what they're really supposed to do. Because if you think about it, they're the better team. They're the better roster. They have the better pitcher. And in a one game scenario, that's what you need. So let's go Yankees. I mean, I'm really just hoping for the Yankees to win. That's that, you know. I'm rooting for the Yankees, and it's going to be a crazy game. I'm going to be on pins and needles the whole game, but uh, hopefully they'll come through. Uh, quick shout-out to the San Francisco Giants who won their division, and it's perfect. I wrote this on Twitter. It's perfect that they won it on the last day of the year because all the doubters would not let up until they went the whole 162, and when they did, they won it on the final day. They finally, finally, I hope, shut everyone up, and I hope they go on a run. And shout-out to the Seattle Mariners. I really wanted to play them in a wild card game. There's nothing like a team that overachieves, finally makes the playoffs, is super high running into the playoffs. And then they come into the Yankee Stadium only to get crushed by the Yankees. And they don't even care. They leave pretty happy because like, hey, we weren't even supposed to be here. This is awesome. I love playing teams like that. Unfortunately, uh, Boston came back and won and the Yankees lost two of three. So that didn't happen. And shout out to the Mariners broadcaster. One of the things I want to do in sports is be a broadcaster. That's my dream job. And Dave Sims, if you get a chance to watch the call that he had from the Saturday night game against the Angels, the uh, two-run single by Mitch Hanniger, he's so into it. He loves the game. He lives for every pitch. Obviously, the Mariners haven't been good in so long, and that means a ton to him. It's awesome to see a guy like that who really loves what he does and... um and lives and breathes every moment. He's a true fan. Gary Cohen's like that when he's broadcasting. I love broadcasters like that. Maybe some guys get too used to either success or failure, and that's why they're not as into it. But he is, you know, that's an incredible call by a great broadcaster. So good job, Dave Sims. Shout out, Mariners. I'm going to come back with football stuff in a minute. I went into a coughing fit while I was trying to wrap up that uh, baseball segment. Um, hopefully I'm feeling good now. Hopefully that water helped. Uh, but to football, I'm not going to go over everything I missed. It's week four in the NFL. I obviously missed a couple of weeks and I'm not going to go back in time. I obviously missed that stuff. So we'll talk about some highlights. I'll try and get to you a lot of things that happened this week as we wrap up week four in the NFL with the Chargers and the Raiders tonight on Monday night football. Um, by the way, while I was gone, I went 24 and eight, uh, picking the games straight up. And I was really solid against the spread also. I don't know what my record was uh, this week. I swear, by the way, I'm not just making this up. I'll do my picks for uh, next week later. I was 11 and four going into tonight. Um, and I don't even remember who I picked tonight. Um, I don't remember what the line was off the top of my head. But either way, 11 and four going into tonight. So I've been doing pretty good with my uh, picks. And hopefully I'll keep that up. Um, I actually, because I was in uh, Michigan, 
it's legal to gamble in Michigan. And so I had a lot of fun gambling, sports gambling while I was there. Um, lots of parlays, lots of different things on the Barstool Sportsbook app. Um, and one of my parlays I had last week was riding on the Packers to win. That was the final leg, the Packers to win. I took the money line. I think actually San Francisco was favored in the game, like minus two or whatever. And I could have just taken the under. Um, but no, I took the Packers to win straight out against the money line. And when Rodgers got the ball back with 37 seconds left and no timeouts, I was not nervous at all. I got nervous for one second as I saw Mason Crosby's kick kind of heading towards the left upright and looked like it might be a little short. But with Rodgers, I totally trusted him. And that's just how incredible he is. I said I wasn't going to talk too much about last week, but Aaron Rodgers, how many times has he done that where there's not enough time there? You know, they leave him too much time. No timeouts. 37 seconds. Doesn't matter. Gets it done. Um, I've said that so many times about Rodgers. I've talked about Rodgers on this podcast. I know people are probably sick of hearing me talk about him and how much I love him. But again, he's my favorite quarterback to watch. And that's just incredible. It's straight up magic. And he's done it so many times. Never a doubt with Aaron Rodgers. Um, you know, one of the interesting things about, uh, I guess, sports, I guess, is there's always something new to talk about, though. You got to stay current always. Um, so that's old news. <laughs> that's just how it is. And like I said earlier in the podcast, maybe one day I'll have a platform where, I'm, where I have to talk every single day about what's going on that day. And you know what? If I had to do that, I would love to do it. If I could do this podcast every single day, I, I promise you guys I would. I'd come on and talk for 40 minutes is nothing. I'd talk for two hours about sports every day, three hours, four hours, um, I, maybe one day. Um, sorry about the uh, sniffle. There. I, I've had a little bit of a cold and I know people don't want to hear that. People get so scared when you say, oh, my God, I've had a cold. I was traveling and now I have a cold. But that happens. The weather's changing and I was traveling. So uh, there's other things other than COVID, um, not to make this political, but I am vaccinated, which shouldn't be a political statement, but um, some people view it that way. Um, anyway, uh, so yeah, I, I but so sorry if uh, that's a uh, annoying you. If you have a hard time listening to the voice of someone with a cold, uh, I guess you could turn this off now. But by the way, um, the whole time while I was gone, yes, I was gone. Yes, I wasn't in person um, doing these podcast but if you text me or if you follow me on twitter i tweeted a ton if you follow me on instagram i posted some stuff on my story so you know all you gotta do is follow that's another just another reason i'm a great follow on twitter um unless you don't like getting live tweets of yankee games <laughs> um or jet games i don't know or just any games I, I live tweet games sorry i live tweet games um but the point is that uh if that's just a reason to follow me if you want this awesome content 24 7 always twitter's uh easier than hopping on a podcast and recording uh with every thought that i have so that's why twitter's great um but like i said sports is awesome you got to stay current there's always something new to talk about so that's what we're going to talk about and the most recent thing is tom brady and that game i don't know how sunday night football does it i don't know what nbc does uh, maybe it's chris and al i mean those guys are so lucky al, al michaels and chris collinsworth every game they've ever broadcasted has been the greatest game ever um, and every Sunday night game, no matter what the matchup is, is incredible. Like the Tampa Bay Bucks have a much better roster than the New England Patriots. And obviously it's Brady versus Belichick. But um, the Bucks should have gone in there and blown them out. And that game was awesome. And I said earlier in the year, I'll say it again. There's nothing left to be said about Tom Brady. There's not much to say. Like the guy looks as comfortable as ever. The guy ran to pick up a first down. He's 44 years old. I'm thinking about like my father when he was 44 or some of you know, people who you know in your community that you might know or friends that you have that are 44 years old and what they look like. Maybe they're like, you know, limping during a basketball game at the YMCA. And if they like have to jog for more than two minutes, they're they're sore for a week and a half. And Tom Brady's getting tackled by 300 pound linemen. And then he comes out there and 
He's smiling. He knows he like, it's funny to him how easy this has been for him. And it's crazy. And you know what that means? That means he's putting in double the effort and it's taking him, you know, to recover takes double the time and everything. And it's just truly remarkable, but there's nothing left to be said about Tom. There's a lot to be said about Bill Belichick and Mac Jones. I didn't watch the coaches film this game. I was waiting for uh, Brian Baldinger to uh, break it down because I want to see what, uh, what the Patriots did because everyone's saying they're, you know, they're getting pressure and they're designing the, and they're, and they're um, uh, hiding their coverages or whatever. Like uh, they're, they're making him confused. What does that mean? I mean, show me what you mean because making Tom Brady confused and getting pressure on him is a lot easier said than done and holding him to 19 points the way they did with that firepower offense is crazy. And the, you know, till the second half, he, he looked terrible. And so that's an incredible job by Bill Belichick. And Mac Jones had two drives in that game, the two touchdown drives, and even the field goal drive, and then the almost field goal drive, where he was in total control. And he looked like, you know, he looked like Tom Brady. He looked like, okay, first down, first down, run up to the line, get everyone organized, easy, quick passes. That You know, it's funny. I was talking to a friend of mine. A lot of the young quarterbacks come to the league now, and you see them spreading it out and running these widespread offense to simulate kind of a college game to get them kind of acclimated with the NFL their their coordinators are becoming super super creative it's what um Adam Gase did not do for Sam Darnold in New York and what he got so criticized for doing but you see it with Mahomes you see it with Herbert you see it with all these guys you see it you know you saw it Thursday night football with Burrow and obviously Trevor Lawrence you saw it with those guys they're trying to simulate the college game Mac Jones that wasn't the case he looked like a veteran hanging in there in the pocket and making quick throws and making the right reads and making the right pre-snap reads so he might be the real deal and of course I think McDaniels with everyone talking about Brady and and Belichick and who's responsible for the dynasty Josh McDaniels was like hey don't forget about me over here and when he called that play where they fake the handoff to the fullback and they throw it to whoever the receiver the tight end leaking out into the back of the end zone I mean that was a play they've ran with Brady a thousand times and that is such a Josh McDaniels play. And that's him saying, hey, don't forget about me. I was glad to find out that there was a longer conversation between Bill and Tom after the game that Bill sought him out and went and had a conversation with him in the locker room because that quick kind of on camera to less than a second hug and two words from uh, Bill Belichick. I was like, oh, my God, this, this relationship really as bad as we think. But no, there, Bill's a private guy. And we know he doesn't like to put on a show. He likes to keep it about football and keep it about his team. And even Tom in the post-game interview, that's what he did. He talked about the Bucks more than he talked about the Pats. And, you know, he talked about New England and the fans, and he showed appreciation and love for those guys. But um, he obviously kept it about his football team, and that's professionalism. That's how it should be. Um, but, you know, all that being said, I think that that was a real W um, for the Patriots uh, to come out and really do what they did. Obviously, 17 points. Everyone was giving them way too much credit. Everyone's talking about the Pats. Oh, my God, it's amazing. Mac Jones was incredible to hang in this game and, you know, trade punches with Tom Brady. Mac Jones had two and a half really good drives, and I, I think they should have gone for it um, and not kicked the field goal there in that field position. They should have gone for it on fourth down and try and pick up the first down and, and then really, like, end the game um, and then kick an easier field goal. But they don't. They don't get it. Um, but the last rookie to beat Tom Brady, and this just tells you more about Tom, was Geno Smith. And that's where I transitioned to pump the brakes on Zach Wilson. He had one good game. You didn't hear me talk when he had those two terrible games, but I wasn't getting too low on him. And now I'm not getting too high on him because that's how it is with a rookie quarterback. You want to see progression. You want to see what he showed you. He showed you some incredible things. I mean, he had four or five throws that are just insane. I mean, 
but he was still late on throwing the touchdown pass, the second touchdown pass to Jamison Crowder. Um, he obviously misses the third down play to Corey Davis. That would have ended the game earlier. He misses the easy touchdown um, pass to Ryan Griffin, the tight end. He doesn't throw it away after that kind of bootleg play doesn't work. Instead, he still tries to run it in. So you see some mistakes from him. You still don't see that professional play in and play out, um, just tic-tac-toe drive, like the way that Mac Jones had a couple of times. Um, you see the incredible play, the, the stuff that no one else can do. So that's what, you know, that's really exciting um, long term. And I'm really happy that maybe they can do that with him. But he still needs to be able to put together drives. Um, that's a big part of playing quarterback. The D is awesome. The Jets defense, and that's a, a big credit to Robert Sala. This defense was terrible last year. They got ran over. They couldn't tackle. They have heart. They get those seven sacks. I was, like, shocked why they didn't just, you know, rely on Henry all game. But at the end of the day, they hit him hard. Like, he, you know, he ran the ball 33 times. He ran for over 150 yards. But they hit him hard. They played really well against him. They get the seven sacks. This is even without Lawson, who, you know, they lost for the year. But still, the defense is incredible. Both Michael Carters um, are really good, the running back and the, de the defensive back. They took two guys named Michael Carter in this draft, and both are turning out to be real players. That C.J. Mosley audible, I know that uh, Robert Sala talked about in his press conference today, but I knew that that was an audible you could see, and they get a sack on the play. That was awesome. C.J. Mosley is all over the field. The Williams brothers are the most entertaining players in football, uh, both to watch on and off the field. Those guys are so much fun. And they are, were all over the place. But at the end of the day, the Titans stink. Like, the Titans are a one-dimensional team, especially without A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. Um, and so I didn't expect much else. Like, I, I really, the Jets, the fact that they won, I'm really happy. But I expected the Jets to look better. And they better look better again in London next week against the Atlanta Falcons. That's all there is to it. And, of course, at the end, you could rely on Fat, Rand, Fat Randy Bullock to miss the field goal. Because I've seen him in a Jets uniform. That's all he does is miss field goals. So... That's kind of what you expect. An interesting thing that um, people like to do, and I heard Ryan Russillo talking about this. Everyone knows I like to steal from him, but uh, everyone loves to question calls, question play calls. You know, yeah, because you'd be such a great coach if you were out there having to make every play call. Question timeouts, question not going for it or going for it. And then when you know, when John Harbaugh went for it on fourth down, everyone's like, "Oh, he went for it, and he asked, uh, he asked Lamar Jackson, what do you want to do?'" Of course, every quarterback's going to say they want to go for it, and of course, you go for it there because if you don't go for it, you're handing the ball to Mahomes, and the game's over. And if you go for it, you end the game. Like obviously, you go for it there because one way or another, the game ends. And if you punted it to Mahomes, he still would have beaten you. So it was an obvious call, but everyone loves to praise them. And everyone loves to be a morning, morning, Monday morning quarterback. When it works out, everyone, you know, says it's great. And then when it doesn't work out, everyone questions the call. And here's a perfect case is the Giant game. Um, Joe Judge, who's had some questionable coaching decisions, is down by 10 points, 11 points. And there's eight minutes left in the game or 10 minutes left in the game. And he decides on fourth and eight to punt it away. And then his defense flips the field. They get a three on out. They get good field position. They come back and win that game. Everyone in the moment's like, oh, classic Joe Judge not going for it there. He had to go for it there. But it worked out at the end of the day. So at the end of the day, we don't know what we're talking about. I just said it with um, with you know the Pats. I thought they should have gone for it there and not kicked the field goal. But if they make the field goal, I guess Tom Brady still has time. But you're like, it's a rookie quarterback. How much more are we getting out of this kid? Maybe they felt like they squeezed him for everything they could. And that was in. They ran out of play calls. Like If you couldn't pick it up on third down, that was your best play. 
you're not whipping out a new play that you've never that the defense has never seen before that you're going to whip out on fourth down like there's only so many of those plays that you have and you like you think oh no now we're gonna this is the play this is the play that's gonna work you thought the third down play was gonna work or you went to ran it so it's not like all of a sudden there's a new play that like was reinvented that you think is gonna work so it's really easy to question calls um other than that like i want to just run through some things because i, I just keep coughing <laughs> i don't know what it is but arizona had a big win thankfully carolina lost um, finally for me. And Dallas seems to be good. After an early scare, Buffalo's really good. They've beaten some bad teams, but they've blown the doors off them 35 nothing and 40 nothing. And there's a great game tonight. I think Justin Herbert is awesome. Both coaches suck at making decisions. Speaking of questioning um, coaches' decisions, I don't know what uh, the Chargers head coach was doing, letting Patrick Mahomes get the ball back in the game. They could have you know, taking a couple of knees and kick the field goal as time expired. Instead, they try and go in for the touchdown. They get the touchdown, but give the ball back to Holmes, which is crazy. And then Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, two weeks in a row, fumbles to lose a game. Um, so, like I said, I have to finish this out a little earlier, but hopefully later this this week, I'll come back with a full football podcast, uh, and I'll obviously be talking about the Yankees. Full Week 5 NFL preview and full MLB playoffs preview coming up later this week. So look out for that. Until next time, see ya.
Take it in, take it with you when you go. Who says you can't?